Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you know, something happened this weekend. I don't know what spiritually, but there was a, a change. This was a, a very unusual weekend for me. And I can't tell you any unusual things. I had a couple bad things actually that happened to me, but it, or maybe like three bad things. That's enough in a weekend, right? Three bad things. But the truth is, I could sense there's a spiritual shift that's happened. Is anybody feeling that besides me? Some, there's something that God is doing. I don't know what He's up to, but I can tell you right now it's a good thing. Amen? So even though I was having some difficulties there or facing some difficulties, I just felt, well, I felt the Father. That's what I was feeling. I was feeling the Father's presence with me, and, but not just with me personally. I felt it around me, out here. So I want to... If you're not sensing that, I feel it, you know, Lord, let everybody sense it. <laughs> That's what God wants all of us to sense it. Sense His wonderful presence and of the Father. That's a unique manifestation of each of the Godhead. You know, when Jesus comes, there's a, a specific manifestation of His presence that you sense and feel. When the Holy, if, when the, when the Holy Spirit's just coming, of course, the Holy Spirit's the one who does all of it anyway, but actually the Holy Spirit has a unique manifestation when He's... When he's just revealing himself, because he does reveal himself a bit here and there, just to get our attention so he can show us what he wants us to see. But then when the Father comes, there's a different presence. When he comes, he's, he reveals something different. So I'm thinking something good. And I'll tell you what, any time the Father manifests, I'll tell you the first thing he starts thinking about is the children. Right? That's the Father's heart. Like, you know, how the, is the children Okay. Are the kids okay? You know, what's going on with them? You know, I always have felt that. Every time the Lord's ever said anything to me and revealed anything about the Father's heart, that was the first thing that followed was children. It's like He's got a heart for children that's just incredible. Lord, thank you for that Father's heart. Amen. Ooh, let me give you this quick message, and then we're going to do the meal that heals, okay? And I literally am saying that because that's the word the Lord gave me this morning, the meal that heals. When I heard we were having communion, it was the meal that heals today specifically. All right, you know, last week uh, we talked about Grace 101. If you, you should hear that message. It was a great message, I think. Not that I preached it great, but the message is a great message. Grace, grace one. Well, this will be like grace two and one. Grace and faith. I want to talk to you about grace and faith. Is this a? These are some practical things the Lord has really taught me about how to live this this life. And you know, because there's so much theoretical stuff out there that really just is confusing. Really, I mean, I don't know about you, but I cannot make a lot of theology work in my life. It just, it, it winds up, I feel like I get just twisted and turned on it, you know? Like, I can't understand this stuff, Lord, none of it works. And, but I can make Revelation work, you know? Because you get to live it, he'll, he'll, he'll help you live out Revelation. But this is a great scripture here. Blessed is Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, everybody say has. See, we've already been blessed with every. Every spirit, say every. every. Those words are in there. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So, you know, it's uh, we're not striving or should not be striving to get the blessings, right? Because we've already been blessed with the Spirit. They're already there. God has done, He's done it all. And uh, we, 
what our job is, our job is to, to have faith to receive and possess the spiritual blessings. That's what really God is calling us to do, to receive those things, to believe those things and, and receive them in our lives and walk in, walk in them. So that's the key. The key for us is to learn how to, to receive and possess, right? I mean, if, if something's there, how do I get it? How do I access it? You know, it's like having the keys to a, to a box, those boxes they have in banks. What do you call them? Safety deposit. Like, okay, if somebody gave you a key, like here, there's a lot of stuff in there. Wealth, there's wealth in there. You, you would want that key, right? Well, I believe faith is the key. I think it really is. It's, it's grace and the, uh, you know, Acts 20.32 says, God and the word of his grace give us our inheritance. It's given. It's done. But without faith, we can't receive it. That's how we are going to come into the, to receiving this. Let me read Ephesians 2.8 to you. Everybody knows this is one of our favorite verses as a believer. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. See, we're not saved by grace alone, nor are we saved through faith alone. You've heard, you know, the reformers talk about faith only. Well, it's not true. It's right here. It's not. We're saved. We have the, we have the, the both grace and faith is what brings us into our, into our salvation. And, and it's also how we're meant to live this Christian life is, is through the, the cooperation of, the, of, of grace and faith. Grace, grace is what God has already done for us in Christ. Okay, that's what he's already done. And, and faith is simply appropriating those things into our lives. That, to me, that's a simple, simple way of looking at the whole thing. It's just simply appropriating what God has always, already done in our life. Let's read Romans 5, uh, 1 through 2. We're going to read it in the New King James, not the message, because the message will take you, take, it always takes, the message is the best on Romans 5, 1 and 2. It's the wide open spaces of grace. That's what they call it, but that gets, gets me off. Uh, listen to this. Therefore, having just been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace which we stand. Access by faith into the grace. Okay? Now, that's, that's the key. You see, we don't, you know, you can't just be like just a grace person alone because grace is out there. You have to be a faith person also. Okay? You've got to be a grace and faith person. In fact, in this verse, um, which I love this thing, is, but to think soberly as, no, no, I'm on the wrong one. I'm looking at for that other word. This, this is actually a triplet verse. Okay? It's not just a twin you know, grace and faith is a twin. The triplet is this. Grace, faith, and glory. That's how we really enter into the glory also is through faith and this grace because the, for the glory is in the grace. And see, God really wants to bring us. See, there's all these, these things in the Scripture where, you know, like grace and truth. We can't just be a truth person. We need to be a grace and truth. They, all, they go together. Grace and power. Go through the book of Acts. Grace and power are always working together. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 12. Grace and power. He, he puts, uh, Paul was not just a grace person. He was a grace and power. He was a grace and faith. He was a grace and truth. 
you know, grace and glory. Love, you know, what's that? Love, uh, righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. We need to be righteousness, peace, and joy people. Remember I told you this. Is anytime we elevate one truth above other truths, if you study church history, even study biblical history, that's where the church goes off. As they elevate one thing above the other, the, the sum of your word is truth. So the sum of your word is truth. That's what it says. I think that's Psalm 118.65 or something like that. The sum of, sum of your word is truth. Not just one truth from your word is truth. Now, God may give you a special revelation on one part of it, okay? But you can't, you, you can't define your life. All right, let me just say it like this. A lot of people get a revelation on something, okay? And they begin to try to define their life on that one revelation. And they begin to cast away other things. In other words, we can't exchange one truth for another. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't exchange one. I can't exchange grace for faith. I can't say suddenly I'm a grace man and faith is not that important no more. Right? Paul said, you know, I will go on to dreams, visions, and revelations in the Lord. He wasn't just a dream guy. He was a dream and a vision and a revelation guy. Now, see, when we begin to think like that, we begin to get a greater picture of what God's trying to do in our lives and begin to get a more whole picture of Christianity and how we're supposed to live our lives. Um, are you all okay? Uh, Romans 12.3. Let's look at Romans 12.3. For I say through the grace given to me. Now, listen to this. I say through the grace given to me. When you got saved, this is what, hap- it's what happened. is God gave you some faith. That's what happened. See, you didn't have faith before you got saved. A lot of people talk about faith in terms like this. Well, when I, I got faith, faith is like sitting in this chair. I know the chair is going to support me. That's how a lot of people describe faith. Or uh, here's another classic example that I've heard. Is I got faith when I get on an airplane that this, the laws of aerodynamics is going to work. And I got faith in the pilot that he's going to, he can fly this thing. That's not really biblical faith. Okay, that's, that, it's really not, because people in the world have that. You know, anybody can have that. I mean, i got faith this chair is going to hold me up. You know, big deal. You know, F- real faith is given by God. or Otherwise, we'd never get saved. Nobody could ever get saved. You so it's, it's like this. God says, here, I'm offering you, I'm loaning you some of my faith. And, and, and when you get saved, you know, you get to keep it. I'll tell you more about that in just a little bit. This is really good. For I say through grace given to me, everyone who's among you, not to think highly of himself, or to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. So remember last week, I gave you that scripture out of 1 Corinthians 15.10, where it says, uh, Paul said, By the grace of God I am what I am. So you see, that's, grace goes with identity. Grace and identity go together. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace not, was not, to, uh, not vain towards me because I worked harder than everybody else, than all the other apostles, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God in me. So you see, grace and laboring in, the, in Christ go together. Grace and identity. Grace, or grace at, in fact, here's a, here's a good thing. Think about it like this. Identity, grace, and doing the works of Christ, co-laboring with Christ. Those three all go together. So we'll never really come in. Are y'all getting this? Yeah, a lot of people really struggle with what they're supposed to do. Well, you don't have to. Grace, identity, 
And your labor will just be an outcome. It'll be an outcome of your life. Anyway, so he's really hitting on this grace and identity thing again right here. But as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Everybody in this room has a measure of faith given to them. God has given every person. So like I said, when you got saved, He loaned you some of His faith. Here, take this faith, and if you really you act on it, you're saved. But He never takes the faith back from you. He, left, he leaves the faith in us. So every person, every Christian has faith. That's why I say God is not impressed with when we say a person of faith. That, that's not impressive to God, you know, because God gave them the faith in the first place. So the key is, the key for us is learning how to operate in this faith, okay? Because we all have faith. That's why I say you can't just be a grace guy or a grace girl. You need to be a grace and faith person because if you're just grace alone, it's not going to work. All right, so what type of faith, and this is, this is really what I really want to get to, is what type of faith do we have? Okay, let's look at, are you interested in this? Second Peter 1, 1. This, this is awesome. I, I really urge you, if we had time, we'd do it. Second Peter 1, 1 through 8, there is some profound revelation in those verses. I mean, just amazing revelation. But this is what he said in verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those, listen to this, to those who have attained like precious faith with us. Do y'all get that? This is what he's saying. You got the same faith that I got. Your faith that you had. Now think about it. Peter's the guy. Well, he's, here's, he's the guy who did this. He preached the, some of the greatest messages that ever been preached on the planet on the day of Pentecost. He's the guy who looked at the man at the temple beautiful gate and said, I don't have no money. I don't have no money, but if what I do have, I'll give it to you in the name of the Lord. Get up. And the guy, this is the guy that Jesus sort of ignored. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to heal that guy uh, because I want you to heal him. You know? And he's, he's saying, you got the same, you got that same kind of faith. You've got light. Now, I know a lot of Christians don't believe this. Okay? There's a subtle resistance to this. Okay, there's a very subtle resistance. But when you get a hold of this and you begin to really believe this in your life, when you begin to really believe that you got the same faith that Paul the Apostle had, this is what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. He said, I, don't, I no longer live my, I live my life by the faith of the Son of God. We've got the same faith that Paul had. Paul had no different faith than we had. Peter had no different faith. We, actually, we've got the faith of Christ. We've got the same faith that he had when he walked on this earth and the way he operated on this earth. All the miracles, all the things that he did, we've got the exact kind of faith, faith that he had. No different. And a lot of people say, well, I need my faith to be bigger. No, not really. Because Jesus said, he said, if you've got faith like a mustard seed. You know, a mustard seed is like about the size of a, a, a pin head, pouring on a pin. That's about how big a mustard seed. In fact, the Bible really doesn't talk about having big faith. Uh, Y'all know who Reinhard Bonnke is, the German evangelist who preaches all over the world and, and has many miracles. You know what he said? He was this, I read this article about him. He was on the 700 Club, okay? And he was being interviewed, you know, because this man has a major ministry in Africa and in different parts of the world. I mean, just uh, salvations and miracles are like the, like, yeah, 
so what? You know, I mean, that's just the normal part of their, their day. And he was being interviewed on 700 Club about his ministry and what all God has done, you know, plundering hell and populating heaven. That's sort of what he likes to call it. You know, that's his ministry is to plunder hell and populate heaven. Well, uh, then they had the call-in thing where people could call and ask them a question. So this woman called in and said, what? this is the great question. Why are there so many miracles in Africa and there's not really many miracles in, in, in America. Anybody ever thought that? D- is it because they have greater faith over in Africa than they have here? And you know what he said? This is what he said, just in case you He said, you Americans are the only people on the face of the earth who think of faith in terms of somebody having greater faith than somebody having lesser faith. He said, you've got the faith. You've got the same faith I've got. You've got the same faith they've got. The difference between you and those people, you and me, is you. we actually use this little, bit of, little thing called faith in us. We actually use it. We're not looking for God to give us more. We're not looking for God to do something more. We're actually taking what He's got and using it, and that's why there's miracles like we see over there. Isn't that incredible? I think it's pretty wild. Because, you know why? Because he has a revelation of true faith, of what he really already has in Christ. Uh, let me read. Uh, do y'all believe that? That one thing, if you could walk out of here today believing that one thing, you know what? I've got like precious faith. I've got the same faith that Peter had. I've got the same faith that Paul has. I've got the same faith that Reinhard Bonnke's got. I've got the same. Pick, pick your person that you love. In this earth, or from history, i got the same faith Smith Wigglesworth had. i got the same faith Jesus had. Who's, who's a favorite? Who, I, I want you to get this. I want us to get this. I'm saying, Lord, I want this revelation. Who have I got this? i got the same faith. I, I don't have an inferior faith. I don't have a lesser faith. There's no such thing as an inferior faith if it's the faith of God. I don't care who you are this morning. Are you born again? You've got, you don't have an inferior faith. Somebody doesn't have... Reinhardt Bunky has no more faith than you have. Paul has no more faith than you have. You've got that thing. But see, the problem is we don't believe it. We have this doubt. We have, we're not activated in that faith. Yeah. And so really that's how we access this realm called the heavenly places. That's how we get grace operating in our life is because we have this faith that reaches over into that realm and brings those things into our lives. That's all Reinhard Bunke's doing. That's what he's doing when he's seeing people heal, when he's seeing people saved. He's reaching over into that realm and pulling it down upon millions of people. And we're struggling pulling it down in our own lives. Right? Anyways, let's read Philemon 1.6. This is my, what I call my 1978 revelation. Because this is when I got this but I kind of got messed up on it a little bit. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6. That the sharing or communication of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That's pretty good. In other words, this is, what I saw, this is what I understood this to say, is when I begin to acknowledge what God has already put in me, what God has already done in my life, that, my, that, that when I begin to share my faith, my, why I believe what I believe, share my Christian life, whatever, however you want to say it, it, it becomes effective. Right? Is that what it says? 
I mean, in other words, what it's telling you is, you know, you need to focus on what God's already done, what He's already done in your life, what He's already placed in you, and begin to communicate that, begin to think about that, and begin to acknowledge that and agree with God on that, and there's going to be something that's going to happen. So here, let me just say this. This is what I see. Think about it like this. What is there one thing, if God has done one thing, and everybody in this room, He's done one thing, He's given you a like precious faith. If you don't have anything else going for you today, nothing, you have the same faith that Peter had. And so when you begin to acknowledge that, something's going to happen in your life. When you begin to say, you know what, I've got the faith of God. I've got the light, precious faith in me, already in me, it's already in me. I don't have to work it up. I don't have to... You know what people talk about? What about that scripture when Jesus said, I've never seen such great faith in all Israel? It wasn't talking about a bigger faith. He was just saying, nobody else has got faith. Any faith is great. That's what he was saying. I'm, any faith. I'm just... But even in all of Israel, there's no, there's no people with a, a real faith people. So this, this Gentile guy, this, this soldier, has a great faith because any faith is greater than nothing, Right? He wasn't talking about, oh, this man's got more faith than y'all got. Jesus don't think in those terms. Are y'all excited about this? See, this is what's going to change us as people. All right, here's a, here's a thing. Uh, Romans 3.27. This is, this, is, uh, this is where I see where we need healing. Romans 3.27 says this. Where is the boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works... No, but by the law of faith. Okay, law of faith. Everybody say law of faith. You see, here's, here's what, instead of trying to figure out how to get, get more, we need to get more faith. We need to grow our faith. Forget those thinking. We need to begin to understand the laws that govern faith. Because there is a law, there are laws that govern things. And here's what a law in the New Testament means. It doesn't mean you know, like you're under the law. It means that this, that faith works in a certain way, all the time, everywhere. That's what it means. It means it's, it's constant, it's, it's repeatable. It works the same way in Sarah's life as it's going to work in Buzz's life. In other words, faith is not going to come to Buzz and say, I need to adjust to you and do it your way. It doesn't do that. It's like gravity. Gravity does not adjust to any of us, right? If you jump off the roof out here... It's going to do one thing to you. It's going to pull you straight down. If you jump, go down to, to South Charlotte and jump off the roof down there, it's going to do the same thing there. Anywhere you go in the world, faith operates. That's why it says the laws of faith, the law, or the law of faith. And so really, instead of us trying to get faith, we need to begin to understand how faith works. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you could really find in the Bible. Here's a great statement by uh, Eugene Peterson. Okay, You know who Eugene Peterson is? He wrote the Message Bible. He's a pretty cool dude. He's, you know, he says stuff besides what he said in the Message Bible, which was a lot of stuff. Can you imagine doing what he did? Writing the Message Bible. I mean, can you imagine how long it took to do that? And to be able to say some of the stuff that he says, the way he says it, it's just like, it's a gift from heaven, really. But he says words are not just saying something, they're making something. That's a law of faith. They're, your words are making something. Now, I know, here's the problem with faith. Faith, that's why I says we can't elevate one truth above the other because there's been, you know, 
there's been teachings on faith that have exalted faith above everything else, and, and what it's done is, is, is sort of come back on us. You understand what I'm saying? It's, and sort of, so people have rejected some of that, but it really is the truth. One of the ways that faith operates, it operates through, through your spoken words. And it works like that, period. Now, I realize this, you know, uh, last week I almost tripped on this cord in the first service. And I said, this thing's going to kill me. And Becky said, you shouldn't say that. And and Judy Ball was in the room backing Becky up. (laughs) So automatically I was defeated. (laughs) I could argue with Becky a little bit, but I can't argue with Judy Ball, right? I, mean, I ain't stupid. You know? Well, my, here's what my real thoughts is. I believe when the Scripture talks about our words, it's talking about words spoken from the heart. Okay? However, having said that, Jesus did say we would be judged by every idle word. So, I'm stuck. I'm not talking about something killing me. But you know what I'm saying? I believe what we, when we begin to speak from our heart, that's when our words really begin to make something. And when we're not speaking from our heart, we're being judged for every idle word. So, you understand what I'm saying? That's just, that's just one, that's one law, law of faith. I really believe that we really all need to begin to really get is, is begin to speak from our heart, what God's placed in our heart. And there's power can get released in those words and we can actually create something. Because a lot of us are creating negative things over our lives. That's why I love what we was doing in worship when we were saying, the old is gone. The new has come. We're a new creation. That's, there's power in those words. You're creating something in your life. You're agreeing with something that's real, that's really releasing something, something out into the atmosphere and out in the atmosphere of your life. And so we've thrown a lot of that stuff away because of name it and claim it and blab it and gab it and all that stuff, and we shouldn't do that. You know, right? We shouldn't, you know, because all that can really turn you off and it'd be offensive to you. And so we really need to get back to 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 these how these some of this this operates in our in our life. Uh, but let me give you this one other. One. Let me get done because I know all the Tar Heel fans and all the anti Tar Heels are really anxious to see Florida State beat them. Well, you know, this is what happens. Many times we don't realize this about our faith. Is if there comes times, and this is what I see happening with a lot of Christians right now. I see a lot of Christians faltering in their faith. Right? A lot of Christians are faltering in their faith right now. It happened in Luke 22. Peter was such a, you know, he was such an ambitious guy. And the Lord told him, hey, Peter, you know what? The devil, the devil wants to sift you. Jesus knew what was going on in the spiritual world. The devil wants to sift you. And, and uh, I, but I, I'm, I'm praying for you. Let me read the scripture, 22-32. But I prayed for you. Wouldn't that be a great day to hear the Lord say, I'm praying for you? Yeah. But it may not be such a good day, because if he's saying, I'm praying for you, you're thinking, why are you praying for me? <laughs> Is there something bad happening? If I need you to pray for me, this, this is a bad day, Lord. Well, it was a bad day. It wasn't a bad day that moment, but Peter was fixing to walk into some bad stuff in his life. I pray for you that your faith should not fail. See, we can fail in our faith. We can falter in our faith. We can become wobbly in our walk with God. 
right? We could begin to stumble in our walk with God, right? Anybody with me on that? Does anybody ever feel shaky in their walk with God? Does anybody ever begin to feel shaky when I had something terrible? I was telling you one of the things that terrible happened to me yesterday. I found out a really good friend of mine passed away. He's younger than me. And it was really terrible. It was really hard when I heard that. I knew he'd been really sick. But it was really hard as a pastor. And he was just a great guy. I just loved that guy. You know, I loved to be around him because he was always such an encouragement to me. Even when he was sort of messed up, I was, it, he was sort of comical in his messed up. I would always feel good even when he was messed up. But when I found out, he was, I was sitting there, Lord, you know, I'm having a hard time with this, Lord. Honestly, I'm having a hard time with it. That's what I was telling the Lord. You know, and, and uh, this song came to my mind right there. And it's, your love never fails. Your love never fails. What's how's that song go? It came to my mind yesterday. Now I can't remember it. <laughs> huh? Come here. Come here and sing it right quick. Just to sing over. Come here, Becky. Let Becky. Becky sing it. She's going to do better than me. I'm not going to sing it. It's the other one. The uh, the crew. Okay, Andy, where are you? The Chris McClarnity. Yeah. No, no, no. 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 Nothing can separate. Even if I ran away, your love never failed. Nothing can separate. Yeah, say that. Sing it. Sing it with me. Sing it, brother. <laughs> Nothing can separate. Even if I ran away, your love never fails. Your love never fails. You make all things work together. I can't remember that. All I know. Yeah. Even if I ran away, your love never fails. I know I still make mistakes, but you have new mercy. I'm, I'm, here's what I'm telling you. When, you're, when you feel shook in your faith, you start thinking about this. That's what the Holy Spirit was giving me at that moment. I know I still make mistakes, so when you make a mistake, but you have new mercy for me every day, your love never fails. Go to the next one, Denise. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me and your love never fails. Woo! The wind is strong and the water's deep. I'm, a not, I'm not alone in these ocean sea, open seas. I'm the worst person in the world to be doing this. Because <laughs> your love never fails. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. Listen to this. Listen to this. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Isn't that something? You see, at that moment, I was having my little nighttime. The chasm was far too wide. Anybody ever felt that? Anybody ever thought... I'm not going to make it. That's a, that's a man or a woman whose faith is wobbling. I'm not going to make it. I never th- But your love never fails. Chasm. Okay, chasm, chasm. Like I say, I'm from the country. I believe words are important. They make something. But I don't think God is so nervous about chasms or chasms. Uh, listen to this. You make all things work together for my good. All things. All things. All things. 
All things. All things. And I'll tell you, when I began to sing that song, when I heard it in my mind, it helped me. It comforted me. It comforted me. You see, I believe when a lot of Christians are going through stuff, you know, we sort of pull back from God because we feel so wobbly. We feel so crummy. Nothing feels right to us. And we begin to lose hope. We begin to lose expectation. Really, if you're losing hope today, you know what? You're losing faith. Your faith is hurting because hope and you've got to have hope to have faith, right? So you're the meal that heals. Okay, the Lord wants to heal us this morning because His love never fails. It just don't. I mean, when we begin to really, in our hearts, believe that, that's the greatest thing that could ever happen to, with our faith. That's the greatest thing, is that no matter what, you know what happened to my friend who died? I think a year and a half or so ago, his wife left him. You know, I mean, it's like the devil just plundered his life. But I know this, the Lord's love never fails. You know, I can't understand all that, but I just know the Lord never fails. The Lord's love never fails. You know, the chasm may be too far too wide in any of our lives, but I've found a few things, you know, that will hurt your faith. Is One of them is accusing God. You know, it's when you begin to accuse God when He's not doing what, what you think he should be doing. See, that's an anomaly to me yesterday. He shouldn't be dead. That shouldn't happen. I, easily you could go down this road and begin to question, point your finger in God's face, like, why aren't you doing? You know, there's a young lady, let me tell you this, she's not here today, I, I'm going to say it. There's a young lady we've been praying for who has a, some kind of terrible disease. And I've seen her healed. I've seen her in a vision, whole totally seen it without even just even a thought of her God bringing that to me and I shared it with her and we've prayed for her numerous times you know probably I've prayed for her and a bunch of people in this church have prayed for her and uh, she's not healed yet one day I was just sitting at the house and I started thinking about her again and I said wait a minute Lord what's the deal how come and I was fixing to go after God for him and I said whoa 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 I'm not doing that I am not going to I'm not going to question the Lord's integrity. You could sit down and say, Lord, you know, there's a scripture that says, come let us reason together. And you can say, Lord, I, I need some help here. I'm struggling with this. I don't really understand. You, you gave me a vision of the girl. I know, it's, I know it's from you. I know that's your heart. I know that's your will. Help me with this, Lord. I mean, he don't care. That's a great conversation. But when we begin to accuse the Lord, that's when things begin to go downhill in our faith. That's when your faith becomes wobbly in your life. I'll tell you, the devil, this is, what the, this is the devil's primary attack on our lives will be our, on our faith. If you go back to the very beginning, because here's why. First John 5, 16 or 17, one of, one of them that says this. It says that uh, we've overcome the world. Uh, this is the victory. We've overcome something. Yeah, it, that's what it boils down to. Boy, I'm just so good about quoting scriptures today. But it says we've overcome the world and our vic- by our faith. Our, it's our faith that causes us to overcome the world, that we have this victory. And so the enemy knows if he can dislodge you from, from that, he can dislodge you from accessing everything you need in God that's already been given to you. So at the very beginning, he came to Eve 
and said, said something to her. Okay? Did God, did God say, and what he, when he was saying that to her, what he did is he dropped a seed of doubt into her heart. And if you go through the whole thing, you see a progression to where she went down to the place that she stopped seeing things from a spiritual perspective and started seeing them totally from what's here. And she bit into that apple. And then her, everything fell apart for all of us. And so the enemy knows. You see, one of the things I began to ask the Lord in my life, I think we did it, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Remember we did that little exercise a couple, few weeks ago? Lord, I believe, help my... Because I began to ask the Lord to show me areas of doubt in my heart. Jesus, Peter was walking on the water. Remember that story? He was walking on the water, and suddenly he looked around and saw the waves and started going straight down. Jesus immediately grabbed him, pulled him on the boat, and the first thing he says to him, why did you doubt? You see, it was the doubt that got, went into his heart that caused him to quit looking at that person and start looking at his circumstances. And when the moment he started looking at what was happening around him, he went down. Y- y'all see that? And it was doubt that was in the heart. In the middle, I can imagine the enemy right there as he was walking on the water, as he was going towards Jesus, I can imagine the enemy saying, Hey, look at that. Look at that. You can't do this. And I can imagine him saying, you're right, I can't. Forgetting that Jesus said, come on. Because that's what happened. Lord, is that you? Tell me to come here to you. Well, come on. See, he was was walking, really he was walking on a word. And see, the enemy comes and puts, so I believe it's a good exercise to ask the Lord where doubt has been dropped into your heart. Get the Lord to show it to you. And He'll begin to speak to you and show you things. One of the things that I, I said for years, oh, well, I really trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord. You know? Well, I found out this horrible lesson one day. And this is what the horrible lesson was is this. You don't really know you trust the Lord until you have to trust the Lord. So this is what happened to me. One day I was in a situation where I had to trust the Lord. And the Lord said, Byron, do you trust me? And I said, Lord, not really. And it broke my heart to say that to him. And you know what he said to me? Good. Good. Here's some trust. Good. Yeah. Good. Here's some trust. I said, I don't really trust you, Lord. Good. Well, here's some trust. Now you can trust me. You see that? Because the truth sets you free. You know, only, only between you and God can you really know the things that are in your heart. But see, when you begin to ask the Lord these things, see, He's very wanting, He's wanting to talk to you about them. And so when I talk about the meal that heals, I love to see the Lord heal people for whatever. You know, I mean, I come in here with a bad, hurting back this morning. But you know what? I think if our hearts could get healed, if our hearts could get free of doubt and unbelief, and I think somehow doubt and unbelief. Here, here's the truth. Favor, here, belief takes on one of two forms. Faith or doubt. And that's the truth. Faith or doubt. That's what believe, believing is either faith or believing is doubt. Because doubt is just as powerful as faith is. Yeah. That's why the Bible said this. Uh, without faith, this is beautiful. Listen to this. Without faith, 
it's impossible to please God. Now, here's the beauty of it. We got faith. Isn't that beautiful? They said, well, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Oh, yeah. And I was given faith. I, you see that? So I don't never have to get faith. I don't ever have to strive for it. I can always know that I'm pleasing to the Lord. That sets you free. Set you free. Well, it's time for the Tar Heels. <laughs> Let's just take a moment, though, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us with our hearts. If there's any doubt in there, Father, we, wanna, we want you to sh- reveal to the people in the room. I want you to reveal to me, Lord, because, Lord, I, I'm like the man. Lord, I believe, but I've got some doubts working in my life, too. I've got some of that negative believing working in my life. And, Lord, as we take communion this morning, we're asking, we want to get rid of that doubt. We want to be healed of it. We want to be set free from it, Lord. Set totally free from doubt and unbelief, Lord. From the lies that we are believing today from Satan, Lord. Lord, because we want to be able to be able to access every blessing there is. Every blessing. We want our words to truly be making something that's glorious on this earth. So just release that right now, Holy Spirit. Help us as we receive the broken body and the blood of Jesus. Oh, God. Greater love has no man. The greatest, the greatest demonstration of love is what we're celebrating. And it's going to heal our faith today. Our faith will not fail because you're going to heal our faith today. You're going to get all the stuff out of this, this hindering it, hurting it, making it wobbly, making it flop around. Lord, we're going to be like Abraham. We're going to, go, we're going to grow strong in faith. We're going to grow strong in what you've already given us. That's what you have for us. So, Lord, we just ask you to do that. Thank you for that, Jesus. So... You know, you can just go ahead and begin to receive the communion this morning. Let it be the meal that heals. If, if you want special prayer, we certainly always want to pray for you. Um, and, but, you know, just receive your communion and spend a little bit of time with Jesus over your communion. And then you can, then you can be dismissed. Amen. <laughs>